Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. What a story of God's amazing grace. So thankful. Uh, what, a, what a joy it is to gather as the people of God and to celebrate the mercy and the grace and the goodness of our Lord. You know, we see stories like Jennifer, and I'm overwhelmed by the grace of God in her life and in her mother's life and in her family's life, and now to see her uh, just serving the Lord the way that she is, and we just rejoice in His grace. You know, and and there's a, a reality that it's easy for us to rejoice in the grace of God being extended to Jennifer. Like, look at her, like she's just precious, right? And you think about all the things that she walked through growing up and, and God's just faithful pursuit of her and, and the way that she blesses my life. And when you see her engaged, like when we were in Clarkston, there was a, a giant security guard. He's like 350 pounds and she's like afraid of nothing, right? Because she's like, and, she's, and she, she understands the depth and the greatness and the, and the riches of the mercy of God and that no one is outside of his grasp, right? And no one uh, is too far gone. And so she uh, just fearlessly shares her story in the, in the, in the goodness of the gospel of our God. And it's so easy for us to rejoice in that. But what about if it was the one that did bad things in her life? What if it was those that we look at and dislike? What if it's ISIS or the Taliban? What if it's those that we for lack of, of better words, and just to be transparent, for those that we really somehow find hatred in our heart for. What about when God's mercy and God's grace extends to those people? And the reality is that in all of our lives, there are people that could be referred to as those people. Maybe people that we look at and feel like are too far from God, people that we look at and maybe because of things that they've done to us or things that have happened uh, in our lives or maybe things that they've done to other people, we view them in that way. And we're walking, if you're a guest with us today, we are so glad that you're here. We are walking uh, verse by verse through the book of Jonah and we're going to do our best to walk through chapter four today. And it's kind of the forgotten chapter of the book of Jonah, but it gives us the real meaning of the entire uh, letter. We, we see the real meaning of the entire book in this chapter. And so I want to read uh, just the entirety of chapter four, uh, and then we're just going to jump in and break that down verse by verse. Uh, the topic and the title of today's message is Mad About Mercy. Mad About Mercy. Jonah chapter four, beginning in verse one, but it greatly displeased Jonah. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? 
Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head and deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even unto death. Then the Lord said, you had, not, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow which came up overnight and perished overnight, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the word of God, Lord, and we pray, God, that you, in a way that only you can, Lord, would take the word of God and empower it with the spirit of God, Lord, that it might pierce our hearts. And God, that we might examine our perspective on you, on your mercy, on your grace, Lord, and on this world. And Lord, may you cause us to be changed from the inside out in the power of your spirit that we might boldly proclaim the good news of who you are. And Lord, we pray, God, if there's anyone in this room that has never experienced the gospel of grace or that has never uh, experienced, as Jennifer declared, Lord, the goodness and mercy, Lord, that you extend. God, we pray that today, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation, Lord, that you might uh, cause them to be born uh, again, Lord, into your family. Father, that you might work in the midst of their life, God, in a way that would, uh, God, that would draw them to repentance, Lord, that would cause them to see your great grace, to turn from sin and to trust in you. Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So here's this story, right? God said, go. Jonah said, yeah, that's where we landed. I, I, I got a message this morning from James Jones who uh, sometimes will write songs along the time that we're walking through message series and we'll sing those in uh, the jail ministry that takes place on Tuesday nights. And uh, I like his start to this. He said, God said, go to Nineveh, went over those folks. God said, no, not Nineveh, I don't like sin-loving blokes. So that's kind of the, the beginning of where we're at. So God says, go. Jonah says, no, no way, I'm not going. And a lot of times we read this, and we're pretty sympathetic with Jonah at first, especially if we've not really walked through this book and studied it. We can be pretty sympathetic with him. We can say, you know what, I, I kind of see why he didn't want to engage with this, this wicked people, right? And and. God said, go to this great city. And we see Jonah go the other way. He finds a boat at Joppa, and there's always a boat at Joppa. There's this rebellious prophet. He finds himself lower than we would have ever thought he would go. We find him down in the ship. God sends a great wind, right? He hurls the wind. I like the wording of that. We see this great storm. We see God uh, just doing work, trying to get the attention of this disobedient prophet, right? And, and we see him cast overboard. The, the scripture tells us that the Lord had prepared a great fish. We see these uh, just incredible pictures of God's grace and his mercy in Jonah's 
life. We see this great revival among the sailors, right? We see them making sacrifices to God. We see them worshiping Yahweh. We see that God is concerned not only uh, for this rebellious prophet, but he is concerned for these sailors. We see uh, him swallowed up by this great fish. Chapter 3, we see him go again to this great city. The scripture says that the word of the Lord came again to Jonah a second time. And, and aren't we glad that we serve a God of second chances, right? And, and something incredible happens. The people of Nineveh repent. There's this great revival in Nineveh. And it would have been a great place to stop. And many times in kids' books and in the things that we've heard about Jonah, my first experience with Jonah uh, was early in my Christian walk, and we were part of a puppet and drama team, and we would go around and do some of those things, and there was a song where there were these three camels, and we would be part of the camels, right, and, and the kids, and sometimes I'd get to do that too, and we'd have a little camel, and, and the camel would say, go, Jonah, and he'd say, giddy up, boom, boom. that was how he went. It was awesome, and so some of, you, some of you guys were there. It was awesome. And so, and then they'd go across, little camels would, and they'd say, a message came from heaven, but Jonah went the other way, right? And he would see all these kind of things, and he'd say, Jonah, go and let your light shine. But Jonah, he got swallowed up by the fish, and then within the song would let us see that, you know, uh, after Jonah got spit out on the dry land, that he proclaimed this message, and all of them repented, and that'd be a great place to stop the letter, right? I mean, that'd be a great place to stop with this great picture of revival, but that's not where it stops. Look at verse 10. He says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way. This is verse 10 of chapter 3, just to be in context. So Nineveh has repented. It says that they had turned from their wicked way. Then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And then verse 1, we see how Jonah reacted. It says that Jonah was, was greatly displeased, that this greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. In, in the original language, it gives this picture of, of this thought that what God did, the way that God responded to the Ninevites was evil in Jonah's sight, that he looked at that and it was greatly displeasing and he became angry. That Jonah is mad about mercy because here's the, here's the reality. See, Jonah desired that the greatness of God would be displayed in, in the destruction of his enemies, right? That he desired that God's greatness would be displayed in the way that he dealt roughly and, and dealt harshly with his enemies instead of their salvation. But what we know and what we see, the first thing I want you to to see, we've been in this series and we've talked about how we thrive in the wild. And we've been looking at some of the opposite things that Jonah has done. But the first thing I want you to see today, if you're taking notes or following along in the app, is that believers thrive in the wild by rejoicing when God's grace is experienced by others. And so as Christ followers, we don't put limits on the grace of God and we don't put limits on the God of grace. Because we have a God who is merciful, right? And and we, as people who have experienced God's grace, are called to extend God's grace. Look at verse 2. He prayed to the Lord. Now, this prayer, this is not like him saying, please, Lord, as a prayer, asking from a request. But this is filled with, with, with just a, a thought of like, please, Lord, are you kidding me? Like, I, what? I pray, I pray, please, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. And here's why. Here's why. He says, for I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. He was mad at mercy. Why was he mad? Because he hated those people. 
He hated the Ninevites, right? And, and I think this morning, who are those people in our lives? Who are the people that we look at that are in our lives and we, we have the same kind of thought, right? Because here's what's easy for us to happen, especially in the culture that we live in. It's easy for us to say, you know what? Surely God is more with me than he is with them. Look at those people. Surely God is more with us than he is with those around us. Old Testament commentator Douglas Stewart says this. He said, the natural tendency of Jonah and his readers would have been to presume that God could never be on the side of the Ninevites. Now, I love in the book of Joshua where all of a sudden we see Joshua face-to-face uh, with what the Scripture says is the commander of the Lord's army, right? And most people believe this was a Christophany. This was a, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And so here he is face-to-face uh, with the commander of the Lord's army. And all of a sudden, he sees him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua says, uh, hey, uh, who are you? He said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Whose side are you on? And I love the response, right? When the commander of the Lord's army says, neither. He said, I'm in charge. He said, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, and you better get on my side. That's what he's saying. And he said, what you need to do in this moment is take your shoes off because the ground that you're standing on is holy. And he says, here's this reminder that, that, that we sometimes feel like because of our position, because of the things that we might believe, even because of the place that we live, that somehow God is more for us than he is other people. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, one of the greatest evils of idolatry is if, that if we idolize, we must also demonize. And so if you idolize a group that you're a part of, if you idolize even a country that you live in, right, you can demonize other people. You can say, listen, we're the good guys and everybody else is the bad guys. We can idolize our nation and demonize other nations. I want to tell you, I'm so grateful to live in the United States of America. My father was in the Vietnam War. My, so many people in my family and so many people in this room have fought for the freedoms that we have. And I'm so grateful that God has blessed me to be able to come and worship this morning and to live in the land of the free, right? And we might say we live in the land of the free because of the brave and all these kind of things. I love all those things, but here's the reality. We are citizens of another kingdom and, and we're in a kingdom that is far from home, right? We, we live in light in this world in light of a kingdom that's to come and it's in that kingdom that we prosper. It's in that kingdom uh, that all things are made new and we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven exiled in the midst of this foreign land. And it's easy for us to say, you know what? Uh, God must be more for us than he is everybody else. And we got to be careful when we do that. We can idolize a political party. Did you know that? Have you seen that? Have you seen that in our culture? We can idolize and, and, and don't misunderstand. We worship the one true God and him alone then we're to have no idols before him. And we can worship, we can idolize a political party to where anybody that's not a part of that, uh, we demonize. And so there's this division and there, we can idolize a position. We can idolize all those kind of things. And Jonah was in this place and he says, Lord, in verse two, did you notice his words? He said, please, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? 
He said, this, this felt like the right thing. I mean, Jonah probably thought, man, I'm doing something great. I, I know the prophecies concerning what's gonna happen from the Assyrians. I know these things. I'm protecting the northern tribes. I'm engaging in a good way. He probably felt like he was doing the right thing. And here he is. He quotes Exodus 34. Look at verse two. He says, I knew. He said, I, I was trying to delay this. He said, I, I went to Tarshish because I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God. I was afraid what, what's true of you is gonna be true of you. You're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. Now, this comes from Exodus 34, 6. Now, this verse would have been known. This is not like a verse that would have been unfamiliar to anybody that was hearing it. This was a verse that when people would want to know from the Israelites, what is God like? They would go back. They'd say, you want to know what our God's like? This is where you go. This is when he revealed himself to Moses. Moses is saying, hey, listen, I want to know more of you. Show me your glory, God. Who and God reveals himself in Exodus 34, 6. Scripture says this, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. These words, they became Israel's confession of faith, right? It's the John 3.16 maybe of uh, the Old Testament. They would have known this, right? And there's something missing. If you notice in that, it said that he is gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and Truth. I find it interesting that Jonah left that last part out. And I'm wondering if he is in such a deep place in all this that he's saying, I'm, I'm wondering about just the truth of who you are in this. And, and I don't really like who you are, especially if it means that those people receive mercy. Now, God desires that he, he would see, that Jonah would see the greatness of God in the grace of God. And he desires that we would see that, that we would see his greatness in his grace. But Jonah wasn't there yet. Look at verse 3. He says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. This is how low he is in this. This is where he's at. He said, for death to me is better than life. Now, this is, this is serious. He says, hey, these people, if, if it means, if serving you, if being a prophet for you means people like that are going to be given grace, then I don't, I'd rather just be done because here's what I want. I want justice for them. Do you know what they've done? Do you know what they've, do you know how evil and how wicked? Do you know what they've done? I want justice for them. But guess what he wants for himself? Mercy, right? We've done that. Y'all, y'all been on the road before, and I've been pulled over my share of times, not lately, but but over time. And when you get pulled over, right, and you see the officer come up and you know exactly what you did and you know exactly what you deserve, what are you hoping for? Mercy. What about though on the four lane when that guy's a jerk and kind of swerves in front of you and zooms on by and you just, for whatever reason, like, I don't know, it just gets under your skin. And then all of a sudden you're like five miles up the road and you see the blue lights over on the right and he's pulled over. What do you want? Justice. You're like, and, and, and like, if you didn't have the Christian fish or you're moving fast enough where he can't see it, you wave as you go by, right? It's just like, like down deep because you want justice, right? But for ourselves, we want mercy. And that's what he wants. But, but God wants us to see something different. What's the purpose in all this? What does God want us to see? Could it be that God wants us to see that we are all, we were all his enemies, right? That because of our sin, that we were all his enemies. And through sin, we, we, we are that. And religious people, right? We can forget our need for the grace of God. We can forget our sin. We can get so caught up in ourselves and we can get so caught up in those people, when we get our eyes on other people instead of ourselves, right? We like to say around here that, that God calls us to love uh, sinners and do what? Hate our sin, right? Not 
hate these sin, but hate our sin. God calls us to, to be those kind of people, right? That we're to love sinners because here's what we have. We have evil and we have sinful people. That's what we have. That's what it is in the world. And then we have sinful people that have been rescued by the transforming goodness and grace of God and have been sent on mission for the glory of his name. And he desires that we might all see that we were enemies of him and through the cross of Christ, we've been reconciled, that we have peace with God. That's what he desires us to see. But he, here we are, verse four, the Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? He asked him, he's, he's being so patient and so gracious. All those things Jonah said about him are true. Do you have good reason to be angry? He's trying to get him to think, and here's what Jonah does. I can just picture this like, he don't even respond. Jonah's mad. He don't even respond. He says, then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself, like a, like a booth he made for himself, a tent, and he sat under the shade. So here's Jonah, he's pretty upset. And, and the Lord says all that, do you have good reason to be angry? And Jonah don't say nothing. He just gets his little tent and he gets his little chair. He gets all his things, and he says, I'm going to just sit here and watch. He makes a tent where he can see. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to sit right here. I'm just going to, going to look out. It says he sat under it in the shade till he could see what would happen in the city. Maybe he's thinking, you know what? I bet they didn't mean it. How many of you have thought that about somebody that has expressed repentance in Christ? How many people have thought about that of someone in a jail ministry that responds to the goodness of God and the extent of his gracious gift of salvation? He said, I'm just going to sit here and watch. And perhaps in 40 days, it's going to get serious. Perhaps that's what I'm going to see. And hopefully they'll mess up. And boom, because that's what I want, right? That's what, that's what he wants. That's what he's looking for. And, and Jonah's so consumed with looking at the city, and God's trying to get him to look at who? Himself. But he's so busy looking at other people. See, God wanted to do a work in Nineveh, but what this book reveals is that he wanted to do a work in Jonah. So the Lord God, verse 6, I love this, appointed a plant. And it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. So Jonah was pretty upset, like, I expected you to destroy. They deserve to be destroyed. I, I, I was pretty upset. But now you made a shade tree for me. You made a plant, and it sprung up overnight, so it's a miracle. And it's this gourd, and, it, and it's this plant that shaded him. Maybe he was bald because, like, and he's like, you know, my little tent, and I'm sitting and watching, and I can't see. And now you made a shade tree. And, and the Scripture says that he was extremely happy. So here Jonah goes from being extremely mad, extremely angry, to being extremely Happy. Now, this wording, it expresses this, this incredible happiness. It gives this picture uh, of him being uh, over, like just overwhelmingly happy. Remember when we were talking about how we're to worship the Lord and we're to serve him with gladness? There was a word mirth that was in there, and it was this thought of this gladness that is just so overjoyed that there's like laughter in the midst of smiling. It's like he can't wipe the grin off his face. And so this shade tree, this little shade plant is over him, and Jonah is so happy. He's like, you know what, God? You're not so bad. You look at me, and you love me. You love me. You knew I was hot out here, and I was waiting for you to blow them up and everything. And so, and you gave me a shade tree, and I love this shade tree. This is the best. I'm so happy. I'm so happy right now about this shade tree. This is the best day of my life. That's how Jonah is feeling. But this wording, it, it expresses this happiness, but there's no gratitude in the midst. And so happiness without gratitude is extremely temporary. It only lasts for a minute. Spurgeon says this. He said, sometimes a man spends all his time rejoicing over the comfort, which then becomes idolatry whereas he ought to have expended it in blessing 
God for the comfort. And then it would have shown that he was in a right state of heart. I do not read that Jonah thanked God for this gourd. Possibly no worm would have devoured it if he had done so. Our comforts are always safest when they are enveloped in gratitude. Let us overlay the wood of our comfort with the gold plate of our gratitude. So shall it be preserved. An ordinary comfort protected with a sheet of gratitude shall become to us a double means of grace. I love that thought. So Jonah's happy because he got shade. But the Lord still doesn't have his attention. In verse 7, it says, but God appointed a worm. So here's this little worm being obedient to God. We see a, a great fish being obedient to God. We see the wind and the seas. We see all these things being obedient to God except for Jonah. It says, he appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Jonah's all over the place, right? He is all over the place. It's like a kid uh, when, when they're young and like everything makes them excited and angry and mad and sad and they can go through all these emotions. You've kind of seen those things. If you've ever had a child like the first time they pitch a fit in the grocery store or in some kind of checkout line, you've seen that. Uh, I, I've We've seen those kind of moments, right, where a child does that. Paul Perringer sent me a, a, a podcast, and, John, and he was talking about this kind of illustration in this piece. And he says, you know, it's that kind of picture that we see in uh, this passage. And I can remember when my kids were little, like you'd be at, at Walmart maybe, and all of a sudden they get up to the checkout line and they want something. And so if you give them something, what does it do? Makes them happy, right? They're, it could be the best day of their life. But if you say no, what does it do? Makes them sad. It can be the worst day, right? And you're trying to teach them some of those things. And sometimes you've got bandwidth to teach. And sometimes you just like, you just weary, right? And so you're like, here's, here's what I've done before uh, in those moments when they were small. I'd say, you know, they'd say, I really want this. And we'd say, hey, you can't have this. Uh, but you can go to a dollar store. And we'll go over there and you can pick something. And then they're what? Oh, yeah, they're happy. Oh, man, we're going to the dollar store. And then you get over there. And this is not good parenting, by the way. Um, I'm just saying, like, see, don't look at me like y'all never had a moment of weakness. And so I'm just like, let's sit and do what I say, okay? It's just the reality. And so I'm like over at the Dollar Tree then, and then we're sad because it takes an hour and 42 minutes to pick one toy because you got to look at each one of them. You pick it up, you like pull it back, and you try to figure out how it works. So then you finally pick that toy, and then you get in the car, and you're exceedingly glad. They're so excited, but because it's the Dollar Tree, it breaks by the time they get home, and they're exceedingly sad again. And so here's Jonah. This is him. Like all the circumstances, right? All of these things, they're affecting his life. He's all over the place, but spiritual maturity, right, is not reflected in the circumstances and the happiness and all the things that we have in those moments, but, but it's reflected in joy that flows out of a grateful heart for the grace of God that's been extended in our lives. God's working to get the attention of this prophet the tree, the worm, the wind, all these things, all of them are from God. But Jonah doesn't see the Lord in any of them because he's too busy looking at his comfort, his pleasures, his things. See, believers also thrive in the wild. second thing I want you to write down is by rejoicing when God's grace is experienced through trials. See, God's way more concerned in this moment with Jonah's character than he is, how comfortable he is under that little shade tree, right? In this room, there's probably like 40% of you that are too hot and 10% of you that are just right. 
then another percentage that are too cold and too thick. We, we live kind of in this comfort dynamic, and you let any of those comforts be taken away, right? And we're immediately responding in difficulty. We, we just have that way, but, but we see in this passage you know, the, the prosperity gospel says that if you're not blessed and you don't have all these monetary things, if you're not getting all these rewards, and, and by the way, that there's no bad things, because if, if, if you're experiencing bad things, then it must mean that you just need to pray hard. It must mean that all these things are there. But what we see, right, is that, that the prosperity that we experience is not in this life, right? The, the, the prosperity that God desires for us is in something greater than our circumstances and the things that we have. It's in things that are greater than our stuff, but, but it's in our character and in the transformation of a people to look like him. And one day, Scripture says that, that uh, past this life, right, that, that our prosperity, there's going to be a time where there's prosperity in heaven, right, where we're uh, enjoying, right, the inheritance. We're joint heirs with Jesus. Did you know that? Oh, my goodness, right? We're, we're joint heirs with Jesus. We have an inheritance, right, that is kept in heaven for us, that is, is reserved for us, that, that we are joint heirs with Jesus. What an incredible blessing. But the reality is that God is more concerned with our character than he is our comfort. And there are things that he will allow into our life or even send into our life to conform us to the image of his son. James 1.2 says this, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face, when you encounter various trials. First Peter 1 says, in this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. And regardless of our circumstances, we can experience joy regardless of those things. When all of a sudden, see, James, we use a verse in James, we say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. And that we see that God will give us these answers. We, and we use that kind of out of context with everything. And we say, you know what, I'm trying to figure out the answer for that test. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask. No, you need to study. That's a better way um, to get that answer. But he said, hey, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your tribulations, in the midst of the difficult things that you're walking through, God is at work. And if you'll ask him, and see, Jonah's trying to figure out what's going to happen to the city when God's trying to do a work in Jonah. And a prayer that'd be wise for us to ask is, God, in the midst of whatever this is, what are you doing in my life? Regardless of circumstances, right? Because happiness is rooted in the circumstances, but joy, it happens regardless of the circumstances. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason? Here he is still patient. He said, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? There's different thoughts as to what that means, 120,000 persons who don't know their right and left. It could be just that they don't know morally the right and wrong. It could be those kind of picture. It could also be a thought of 120,000 children who literally don't know their right from their left hand, which would have made the city even larger. So there's these kind of thoughts. But here's the reality. Whatever that is, God is trying to allow us to see the value of human life, the value of people, right? He said that, that here are these people. He said, you're concerned about this plant? which you did nothing for, it didn't cause to grow, it didn't cause to tear down. And really, Jonah wasn't concerned about that plant. Jonah was concerned about his comfort, and that plant gave him that. And when that plant was removed, and he was very concerned about that plant. But if the Lord had needed to cut that plant down and hang it up and do something different with it so it would have made a little nice shed for him, he would have been just as tickled with that as anything else, right? And, and he's given us this picture, right, that people, right? Scripture says that we're created in the image of God, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that, that before a child is formed in his mother's womb, 
that God knows them, that there's a purpose and there's good, right? Many of you were here a few weeks ago when we had the service for little Caleb Pitts, right? Caleb lived for 32 hours. And his parents shared that when they found out that little Caleb had trisomy 13, that those that were there looked at him and said, you know what, his condition is not compatible with life. What do you want to do? And the implication was, do you want to abort this child? Do you want to, do you want to terminate this pregnancy? Do you want to do those kind of things? And they said, no, we'll let God decide all those things, and we're going to live for the glory of his name. And little Caleb lived 32 hours for the glory of God. And we like to say here that from the womb to the tomb, that all life is sacred, that, that we're created in the image of God, and they, that people have souls, right? And we see this, this teaching that John was doing. He says, listen, people over stuff, over comfort, over, over plants, over animals, over all these things. And then he looks and says, should I not have compassion on these people? But the implication is that should you not have compassion for these Third thing I want you to see today is that we thrive in the wild. Believers thrive in the wild by rejoicing when God's grace is extended through us. See, we've been called as followers of Jesus Christ to deliver a message of grace. I'm going to talk just a second more about that. I want to show you just a video clip. This is from maybe eight years ago, and there's a guy named Pendulette that uh, at least at this time was an atheist and uh, was part of a, a television show, and he had encountered someone uh, in uh, that show, and he shares a bit of that. And again, he, he's an atheist, but I want you to hear uh, his words, and then I'm going to come back and close. I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show, and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. 
And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. So Jonah ends with this thought. Should I not have compassion? Should you not have compassion? And then we end with this thought, and it just stops there. And I wonder, why does it stop with just this crazy ending? Why does it stop in that way? And could it be that God desires that, that Jonah's story and any of that would be a mirror that we might look in and we might find ourselves in Jonah, that we might look and we might see that the hero of all the story, right, is a God who is uh, great and merciful and compassionate and slow to anger. And it's this gospel of grace that we are to declare that we've been given a message, right? We've been given a, a message of grace to share. God is dealing graciously with Jonah. He desires that Jonah would get it. J. Vernon McGee says this. He said, God says to Jonah, Jonah, a gourd is nothing, my friend. I hate to say this, but a cat is nothing. A little dog is nothing, but a human being has a soul that is either going to heaven or hell. And God didn't ask you to love the lost before you go to them. He said, I love the lost, and I want you to go to them. And that's what he's saying to Jonah. Jonah, I love the Ninevites. And the story ends. And God looks at us, and he says, I love those people. I love those people that are annoying in your life. I love those people that you look at on the streets. I love those people that are all around. And, and I have a message, right? I've given you a message of reconciliation, right? It says that we're ambassadors for Christ, right? That we are exiles in a foreign land, that we are ambassadors for Christ, given a message of reconciliation. We have a message of grace that we are to share. I shared with you before, but I had the blessing of Many of you know Reggie Holland, and Reggie was a person in our community that was very connected uh, just in, in so many ways, and Reggie was in a motorcycle accident. A young man pulled out in front of him, and it took Reggie's life. And on the day of Reggie's funeral, his wife Tammy called me. Um, and she said, I have something I need you to do for me. And I knew that her husband had been killed in a car accident. She said, I have something I need you to do for me. And I said, what's that? I'll be glad to do anything I can. And she told me the young man's name that had pulled out in front of Reggie. And she said, I need you to get him a message, a message that we love him and that we forgive him and that we're not angry with him. And as I'm hearing these things, she said, I need him to receive that message before funeral. I need him to know those things. I said, I'll do everything that I can. And I began to make phone calls. I began to do that. And I made a comment to Tammy before I hung up. I said, Tammy, I'm so honored to do this. I said, it's so easy to deliver a message of grace. And then my spirit kind of caught it. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, it's easy for me to deliver a message of grace. But I can't imagine how hard it is for you. And she said, oh, no. She said, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. She said, I know that it's what God wants me to do. 
But I got to thinking and I said, you know, it's very easy for me to deliver that message because it doesn't cost me anything. And God looks at his people and he says, you have been extended the grace of God. You've been, you've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. You've been given mercy and grace and now I want you to take a message of grace. I want you to take this message that costs you nothing and to declare it to this world, to people that I love, to people that I have given my son for. And you have a message that you are to declare. And see, in the book of Jonah, God says go and Jonah says no. And in the book of the church, which we are walking in, in these very moments, Jesus looks at his church, looks at his disciples and he says go. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. He said, you've been given a message of grace and you're to go and proclaim it. And we have a choice just like Jonah. Will we choose and pick and look and decide who God desires to extend mercy to or will we go and declare the goodness of God to all people? Will we be those that will extend the message of grace. Will you bow your head and pray? Father, as we come to this time, Lord, where we will worship you, Father, we come, Lord, just declaring, Father, your greatness, your goodness, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord, that you are merciful and compassionate, Lord, that you are slow to anger, Lord, that you are abundant in loving kindness, Lord, that you, God, that you are, God, just amazingly above anything that we could even attempt to describe with our words. And God, that you love us, Lord. The Bible tells us that, God, your word tells us that while we were yet sinners, God, that you love us. And Lord, I pray, God, for every voice, uh, every person that's under the sound of my voice, God, whether it be online or in this room, Father, I pray, God, that your message of grace, God, would come to them today. Lord, that we might be reminded of your goodness and your mercy. Lord, that while we uh, deserved, uh, while, while the just punishment that we deserved was death, eternal separation from you in a place called hell, Lord, the wages of sin is death. God, I'm so grateful that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, Lord, and we pray that this morning, God, if there's someone that has never experienced the gospel of grace, Lord, that they have a loving Father, uh, that, that they, God, have, have been extended mercy through Jesus. Lord, I pray that God, you would draw them in the power of your spirit, God, and that there might be some that would pass from death to life, Lord, that would turn from their sin. God, we see in the Ninevites, Lord, how you respond to repentance. And God, you desire of us that we might hear the message of grace, Lord, that you've loved us so much that even though we were sinners, you died for us. And that if we, God, if we believe, Lord, if we trust you, God, if we just believe by faith, Lord, turn from our sin, Lord, that we pass from death to life, or that you save us. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's someone that doesn't know you, that today, Lord, would be the day of salvation, Lord, that they would surrender their life to you. And God, I pray for your church, Lord, those that have experienced your grace, God, that we would extend your grace, Lord, that we would gladly, with urgency, carry a message of grace to this world. Lord, so many times I hear, Lord, there's this desire that the church has for you to return. Come, Lord, even so come. 
Lord, I'm convicted this morning that sometimes it's from a desire that, Lord, you might come and take us home and that you might just destroy all the evil and all the, all the people, Lord, that you might just put an end to all this. And God, we desire your return, Lord, and we look expectantly to that day, but Lord, we pray for mercy this morning. God, we look around at our country and our nation, Lord, and we look at the sin that just is so prevalent. Father, we pray, God, that you would extend mercy and that you would extend grace, Lord, and that you might call us to be messengers of that. That, Lord, there might be a, a revival, Lord, that would come from your people declaring the truth of the gospel. Lord, sharing a message of grace that is so urgent. And, Lord, that in the power of your spirit, God, you might cause people to turn and humble themselves to repent Lord help us not take lightly this call to declare the gospel of grace to this world Lord as we worship you have your will and way in each life in Jesus name Amen will you stand with me this morning just be obedient this morning